The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Storms must bow before El Nino. Yo soy El Nino. For those of you who don't habla Espanol, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. <laughs> you have to love that, Mario. That that um, audio. One of my favorites. Cur- yeah, come courtesy of SNL and the late Chris Farley. One of the best comedians who died uh, too soon, like uh, Mr. Belushi himself. But speaking of El Nino, Mario, he's not El Nino. He is Mario Patanza. You can find him on Twitter at Mile High Mario. Mario, the East Coast is being pounded right now by cold winter weather. This gives you an idea. Okay, we all are familiar with the Niagara Falls. You know, the water coming down is great sights. More, so it's had more people to try to go over the hill and barrows or whatever to conquer Niagara Falls, but it is frozen over. Could you believe that? Niagara Falls is frozen over. El yeah, that's, that's insane, man. You know what? I, I feel like this is just Mother Nature's response to the New England Patriots winning the Super Bowl. That's, that's the only thing that I can think of to this point, Nick. You just had to bring it back. To that. <laughs> Every, you know, because the Patriots won, everything is, is their fault. And even the great Jerry Rice said some things about the New England Patriots and deflate gate, but then got himself in trouble when he talked about Stickton. We talked about it on the program last week. But we would ask someone who covers the game and knows the game well, coming up later on the show, the great, the incomparable Greg Cosell is going to give us his take on does Stickham diminish Jerry Rice kind of, you know, reputation. But, I mean, why? why? The Patriots, man. I mean, you can't blame the Patriots. For everything, this, you know what this is, Mario? This has nothing to do with Belichick and the Patriots. You know what it is? It's, it's El Nino and it's global warming. Most people don't even think that global warming is even nah, real. It, it's, it's God showing his frustration that the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl. Are you serious? No, of course not. Let me let me just clear <laughs> that up. I don't want to get any any hate emails or any you know any anybody calling me a blasphemous. It's just a joke. God yeah. has more important things to worry about than who wins the Super Bowl. 
Well, yeah. You, know what? you hear me, Russell Wilson? So, so what, what would have happened? It's just hypothetical. Let's talk some hypotheticals here. What would the weather possibly have been like on the East Coast, the football gods, if you will, had the Patriots lost and the Seattle Seahawks won? Oh, so Nick, it, it, would have been, it would have been glorious. It would be 60 degrees out there. It would be uncharacteristically warm. However, the snowstorm would be over on the West Coast in Seattle. So, so, so it would have been sort of like uh, that movie my kids love to watch and I love to watch as well. Cloudy with the chance of meatballs and sunshine, lollipops and exactly. rainbows. <laughs> exactly. It would have been exactly like that. It would have been hailing big meatballs. See, see, now you, you, got, you have me singing, and, and not everyone knows that I, I can't sing, but I, I definitely sing because of that, because that, that, that was totally funny. Like I said, we got the great Greg Cosell coming up later on the program. But, Mario, let's talk about something true and near and dear to your heart. We talked about this uh, before the show began, but let's let the listeners listen to this. Uh, go ahead and expand on Brandon Spano, who writes for Mile High Radio. We, both you and I know him. But there was an article that he wrote that really fired you up. So go ahead and talk about that. So I, I will say this. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago basically defending Julius Thomas before any of this stuff came out about him. And the reason I wanted to do so, Nick, I mean, it was specifically, specifically about Julius Thomas, but I was operating on a much larger scale. I kind of wrote this piece for NFL athletes in general. You know, I have a personal connection with a lot of Bronco players and I don't really see the game the same way as a casual fan does. So I wrote this article kind of telling Bronco fans, don't be so temperamental. Be a fan of the guy under the helmet, not just the logo on the side. You know, you have to appreciate what these guys do for you while they're part of your team. However, an article was posted, and you can find all of this on bsndenver.com. Uh, Brandon Spano posted a story or an alleged story. It's, I can't even really call it a story, Nick, where uh, it came out that in August, um, at the beginning of the season, Julius Thomas turned down an $8 million a year contract. Now, fans were already salty on him, which was the reason that I wrote my article. But he, of course, being the, uh, the proctor of the website, dropped his first, and it was a firestorm, Nick. It, it completely blew up. Uh, and it's exactly what Brandon wanted was hits. And it was well-written for the most part. The issue that I have with it is the only information that he released is that it was $8 million a year and no other part of the contract. Now, my two questions were, uh, according, and it was according to a source. Obviously, you have to protect your sources. But if, A, why is this story dropping from him? Why didn't the original source drop it? And B, why don't they have more information? So that tells me that it was either an athlete, a player on the Broncos team, or it was an unreliable source. Either way, it's, it's not a good thing to drop. Now it comes out, and this, of course, hasn't been made public knowledge for whatever reason, that none of that $8 million was guaranteed for Julius Thomas. Now, Big Al, who, Big Al Will, uh, Williams, Alfred Williams, who used to play for the Denver Broncos and uh, is a staple in drive time at 104.3 out here in Denver, uh, who was the only guy on the Denver Airwaves that actually played for the Broncos and knows what it's like to be an athlete in the NFL, came out and said, I would never have signed that contract. There is no way that I am going to sign an NFL contract with no guaranteed money. But fans don't want to hear that, Nick. They already didn't like Julius Thomas. This just gave them more fuel to the fire. So on my article, I basically said, put the pitchforks down, put yourself in his position, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. 
However, all of that was kind of negated when Julius Thomas's dad came out and just tore everything apart. I mean, he, obviously you want to defend your son. But in, in, in situations like this, Nick, it's better to just keep it to yourself. Let your son handle it. I don't even think Julius is in the country right now. So he might not have any idea what's going on in the Denver media right now. Uh, and a lot of what Julius Thomas's dad said, and again, this is all on bsndenver.com, a lot of what he said made a lot of sense. I mean, he took some shots at Elway, some shots at Manning, but it's not like, you know, a pissed off fan that just said these things. I mean, they were, it was an eloquent response, except for the part where he made it about race, where he said black opportunities matter. Nick, I'm not going to argue with the fact that black opportunities matter, but he made this a race issue when it didn't need to be. And that was the big issue that I had with all this. So as if you know, we needed, or these fans needed any more reason to be upset with Julius. This just put it completely over the top. But I just thought that it was, it was, it was bad reporting on the part of Ju- of uh, Brandon Spano. Why are you dropping this story when it happened back in August and now we're midway through February? Because you wanted, get, wanted to get hits on your website. But let me tell you this, Nick, the team knew Julius Thomas turned down the contract. This isn't going to matter to them. If they want Julius Thomas on the team, and honestly, they would be foolish not to, then he's going to be back on the team. He'll test free agency. And in my opinion, the Broncos do need to bring him back. And I am in the large minority there. I'll tell you this. I know why Brandon wrote that article. First of all, he is a Broncos fan first. And well, hold on, Nick. He's actually, he's a Chiefs fan. He's a Broncos reporter. He's in the Denver market, but he is by trait not a Broncos fan. Well, even more, even with that being said, I mean, you look at the fact, okay, he's a Chiefs fan. So that gives him a little more validity to go after Julius Thomas in this particular case. And then you live in Denver, a, a team that, you know, was put together when John Fox was there and they went on a run and after losing to Seattle last year, it was anticipated that this team would actually put themselves back in a position to get to the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning's record-breaking touchdown year, you're talking about Julius Thomas, what he was able to do as a guy who played college basketball. One year of football, just sensational on the field, and then they lose at home against Andrew Luck and Indianapolis Colts in the fashion that they lost. So there's a lot of people that are frustrated, and they were questioning, you know, Julius Thomas, not just not his work ethic, but his mental toughness could he get back out on the field with the ankle injury and get out there and help his team and that was one of the things that frustrated him and you see that frustration coming out in Brandon Spano's uh mile high sports uh you know analyst you see that in his article you see the anger and that frustration just to put it into perspective this should not be a story. And the reason being, Chris Harris, who is widely loved in Denver, maybe the most underrated cornerback in the NFL, he turned down two contracts. Now, I know that there's a little bit of difference and people think a little bit higher right now of Chris Harris than Julius Thomas. But why aren't we holding them to the same standards? They play for the same team. They're both considered top five at their position. So why shouldn't they demand the same sort of respect from their contract? Why didn't, it come though, out? why didn't it come out that Chris Harris turned down two contracts? Terrence Knighton's still hasn't signed Nick and he's getting irritated that it hasn't gotten done, but he's turned down contracts before, but nobody's talking about that because they're not writing slanderous articles about him. But the reason that no one's talking about that, because both of those guys who you just named Terrence Knighton and Chris Harris, Terrence Knighton, first of all, is he is a free agent and he's probably going to jump ship and go join Jack Del Rio 
with the Oakland Raiders, but Chris Harris came off an injury. He's been grinding ever since he got into the league as an undrafted free agent. So he's earned his money. He came back off of the knee injury, came back and have his, had well, his I'm, I'm not, I'm not denying, I'm, and there's, I'm not bad-mouthing Chris Harris at all. Let me just clarify that. He deserved, he actually deserved more than he got. But I'm just saying, if you're going to call someone on declining and and shooting down a contract that they didn't think was fair, why was it okay for Chris Harris to do it, but it's not okay for Julius Thomas to do it? Chris Harris turned down those contracts because he thought that he was worth more. Julius Thomas turned down his because he thought he was worth more. But see, the casual fan is going to hear that and think, oh, $8 million, like that's a ton of money. Yeah, but in the NFL, Nick, there's no guaranteed money. So, I mean, if you start up a job, you know, someone working a nine to five or whatever, and they say, all right, so this is going to be your salary. It's very big. But, you know, if, if you don't do your job or if something happens and you miss a day of work or whatever, you don't get any money despite working. It's not fair, Nick, but people refuse to see it in that light because they put athletes up on a pedestal. And I understand that you're going to, but you need to look at it from the player's perspective and they're looking at it from a business standpoint. If it's okay for the team officials to do it and the general managers and John Elway and the powers that be, then Julius Thomas should be able to look at it from a business aspect as well. That's what he did. Yeah, but nine times out of ten, I mean, you hear this all the time, first and foremost. It is a business. And I get what, I trust me, I get what you're saying because what the organization looks at when they're dealing with the salary cap, they know they have a certain amount of money to sign a certain amount of players and they need to get better within the conference, they need to get better within the division. So they're asking the players, hey, listen, take the hometown discount in some cases. Other, in, in other instances, see, he can, even, he can say, he'll take a hometown discount, Nick. But he still wants guaranteed money. He wants to make sure that he gets paid. He was arguably one of the best. He was arguably arguably the best pass-catching tight end in the last two seasons. Gronk was out. Jimmy Graham had a down year this year as well. I mean, and I wonder if there's any hate coming towards Jimmy Graham in New Orleans right now. Probably not, but that's another topic for another day. If you look at it strictly from a team standpoint, if you want this Broncos offense to succeed, especially with Gary Kubiak, Honest to goodness, Nick, you need Julius Thomas in there. I mean, the first game that he missed, he got hurt at St. Louis. They scored seven points. Now, the game plan was largely revolved around him, which is why they only put up seven points. But after that, I mean, they put 29 on Kansas City a couple weeks after that, but they kicked five field goals because they couldn't convert in the red zone. They scored 24 points against Buffalo, no passing touchdowns from Peyton Manning. 22 against San Diego, and Manning struggled, only threw for 233 yards. Cincinnati, they lost. So it's clear that they need Julius Thomas in there. Whether you like him or not, if you're going to be a fan of this team, Nick, and you want the players on the team to give them the best chance to win, Julius Thomas needs to be there. There are no free agent tight ends out there who are better than Julius Thomas. In fact, Jimmy Graham Graham and Rob Gronkowski are the only guys you could make a case for that are better than him. Well, I beg to differ because when you look at the guys that are out there, you had uh, Gresham from Cincinnati. Gresham is not better. It's not even close. Wait a minute. Here's a guy who I think would fit great with what Gary Kubiak uh, plans to do with the offense because he has familiarity both in Houston and with the Baltimore Ravens, and that's Owen Daniels. Owen Daniels is a great route runner. He's a great blocker. And I'm not saying this because he's a teammate, a former teammate of mine, but, you know, when you watch him on the field, 
know, I mean, he, he's nightmares for a defensive coordinator. He gives you a certain level of toughness that I think that was in question with Julius Thomas. Nick, because- how, can, how can you say that a guy who's going to turn 33 in November is going to be a nightmare? Especially the tight end position. Did yeah, you, did I, you, did I you agree with you that Owen Daniels is fantastic. Did you not he was see okay last season. last season. He was fine. If you Nick, were to call, if Nick, you were last to call, season, last season he had five hundred twenty. He had five hundred twenty yards and four touchdowns. Nick, last season, what, what's the big deal? I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah, Owen Daniels is fine, but to compare him to Julius Thomas is ridiculous. The only other player, the only other tight end that is an impending free agent I could possibly see is Clay from Miami. But if Miami's smart, they're going to bring him back. Anybody else, Nick? It's not a comparison. How can you say that? Well, I mean, Julius has only been playing, you know, in the NFL for a short period of time. But exactly, that's the thing, Nick. Owen Daniels has has been to several Pro pro Bowls. And what has been known to be traditionally said about players is the fact that when they reach that 30-year mark, and you just said Owen Daniels be 33, that somehow they are declining. If you were to ask Joe Flacco... Who was his saving grace in the back half of the season? He will tell you Owen Daniels. And once again, known as though Peyton Manning, if he returns, which I think he should, if he returns to the Denver Broncos and they sign Owen Daniels, now you can open up the offense. And now Peyton Manning will have more of a the plethora of wide receivers and targets that he didn't have last season, especially with Owen Daniels. And once again, we go back to the fact that Julius Thomas, the thing that's in question about Julius is the fact of his level of mental toughness. Can he play through injuries? One thing I know, that Owen Daniels has the ability to play through injuries and would be a great red zone weapon for Peyton Manning. Four touchdowns, Nick. Not, not, a, not a great red zone option. That's, that's just my opinion, man. Like, look, players start to decline at a certain age. Yeah, Owen Daniels is going to be extremely mentally tough. But when you get to that age, your body starts to decline and you can't do anything about it. I mean, Tony Gonzalez was an anomaly. We might not, we might never see another example of a Tony Gonzalez ever again. Well, after the break, we'll talk to the incomparable Greg Cosell himself and have him to weigh in on this discussion. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, here on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
My poker face, that's what a lot of NFL prospects are going through this week as the NFL Combine kicks off in Indianapolis, and we are fortunate to be joined, like I said, by the incomparable Greg Cosell, who is at the NFL Combine. Greg, thank you for joining the program. Mr. Ferguson, what's happening, my friend? Nothing, nothing much. I, I'm not on the East Coast. I'm not getting pounded by that heavy snow. I'm on the West Coast, so I am living in and basking in the sun. So, so, so well, let me... Totally. It's only about minus three degrees here in Indianapolis. Oh, it's starting to warm up then. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's getting balmy. Soon it'll be bathing suit weather. <laughs> bathing suit weather. Okay, before we went to break, we, we were having a discussion about the Denver Broncos and the situation with uh, Julius Thomas, whether uh, the Broncos should su- sign him back. And please help us settle this debate. I said that Owen Daines is a better tight end than Julius Thomas. But what Currently. are your thoughts? Currently. Who do you think is a better tight end? I think Owen Daines is a better Who would you selection. rather, Greg, next, like this coming season, who would you rather have between the two? Well, well, you know, uh, Owen, again, uh, are we talking about players at the respective stages of their careers? Because, I mean, just, Owen just Daniels, next year, 32-year-old he was Owen a really, really good player. Uh, I think he's later in his career. I still like the player. But Julius Thomas is a little different animal in terms of the athleticism the way he can be utilized and deployed in an offense. Uh, so I think Thomas, at this point in his career, gives you more dimensions offensively. Well, Mario, there you, there you have it. The great Cosell siding with you. smile on my face, Greg. Thank uh, you. Now, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, hey. Greg Cosell agreed football, with me. You know, it, but it's funny because Owen Daniels, when he was in his prime, I never thought he got his due because when he was in Houston in all those years with Matt Schaub, he was a tight end that could get down the field. He ran vertical-type routes, crossers, over routes, seam routes, and no one ever talked about him that way. So I always thought Owen Daniels was an overlooked player by the media. My guess is he wasn't overlooked by opposing defensive coaches. Well, well Greg, you're down there at the NFL Combine, and there are several teams that are looking for quarterbacks. The Broncos still don't have an answer for whether Peyton Manning's going to return or not. We know that Todd Bowles has this situation whether Geno Smith is going to be the starter, and Rex Ryan the same as far as E.J. Emanuel. Of these quarterbacks currently coming out, I mean, who, who can potentially be that first overall pick, even though Tampa Bay, you know, does have the number one pick in the draft? Who do you truly believe would be that first quarterback taken off the board? Well, you know, I think the feeling, these quarterbacks, well, first of all, overall it's a bad quarterback class, and there's a lot of reasons for that which are actually pretty fascinating as a, as a conceptual construct as to where football is going. But clearly Winston and Mariota are the top two. Now, there's pros and cons to both guys, and you, it just depends uh, in the eye of the evaluator. Winston is a quarterback that ran a pro-style offense. You see anticipation throws, the kinds of throws that are necessary to make in the NFL. But Winston is also a kid that's very deliberate. He's not a quick-twitch athlete. He needs to speed up everything he does. And can that be done? It can. But then when the games start and there are bodies around you, the question always is, do you revert back? So Winston has some things he needs to work on, but there's positives as well. Mariota, in the offense in which he played in, that is an unbelievable college offense. So what you have 
is you have receivers who are open in a precisely schemed offense. So you don't see anticipation throws. You don't see him make throws with people around him. You don't see him make throws into tighter windows. Now, whether he can do that or not, that's the projection with Mariota. You have to decide if you think he can do that, but you don't see those throws in college. Now, Greg, let me ask you this. No one's really thrown this out there. Is there any chance that the Buccaneers don't draft a quarterback number one overall, maybe go with Dante Fowler Jr. out of Florida? Well, right now, the only real quarterback on their roster is Mike Glenn. And I think Lovey Smith has made it pretty clear, based on what he did, not what he said, that he's not a big Mike Glennon fan. So I would think that they would not go into the season essentially with Mike Glennon as their number one quarterback. And as you guys know, free agent quarterbacks are, are, are never the answer. They're right. just kind of stopgap guys. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no real guy out there. So I, I would be very surprised if they didn't take a quarterback at number one. If you just join us, we're joined by the incomparable Greg Cosell, a senior producer at NFL Films, Arthur Extraordinaire. I mean, you name it, he's done it. I encourage you to follow him on Twitter. He's the best analyst that is out there, bar none. Now, this past season, we saw Marshawn Lynch, I mean, beast mode, do what he was doing on the ground. And for, for so long, we've, we've heard so much about the NFL being a quarterback-driven league. Could his success at the running back position now force teams to now look at the running back to position as a viable option and we could possibly see a running back taken in the first round? You know, Nick, that's a great question. It relates to the quarterback question, too, because you're getting all these quarterbacks coming in who have no experience in running NFL offenses. So you wonder if with these quarterbacks who you still have to draft because this is the pool of talent, uh, if teams may think, you know what, maybe we have to start running more old-school conventional NFL offense, and you wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, just a theory that I'm throwing out, will teams almost go back to thinking, hey, let's line up more base personnel and let's run the football? And if that's the case, then that would increase the value of running backs. And there's certainly a bunch this year that I haven't gotten through. I'm just starting my process since the NFL season just ended. But you certainly have a Todd Gurley, you've got a Melvin Gordon, you've got a Tevin Coleman out of Indiana. So you do have some backs given size uh, that, that look like they could be foundation-type backs in the NFL given that they're in 210, 220 pounds. I think Gurley is probably best suited to fit that role. Now, you know, earlier, well, last week, we talked about it on this program and would love to hear your take on it. The great Jerry Rice, a guy who was my teammate for a brief period of time with the Denver Broncos in training camp, came out and said that in his day he used stick'em. Now, for you, as a guy who loves the game, follows the game, and breaks down so much film, does this change your interpretation or Jerry Rice's reputation Excuse me, moving forward as being the great wide receiver of all time? Nah, no, you know. I never know how to deal with that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think it changes, uh, you know, a view of Jerry Rice. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I never know exactly how to, you know, what to say about things like that. Uh, but, I mean, are we really going to say that Jerry Rice was not a great player? You know, so I, uh, I don't have a great answer to that, Nick. I mean, I think, 
I, I think Jerry Rice was a great player. And, and, and by the way, I'm not one for lists, so I always struggle. You know, people love lists, and they love to say who's the, you know, it's like with the quarterbacks. Well, this makes Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time because he won another Super Bowl. I mean, do we, I, I guess my question is why do we need to say stuff like that? Can't we just say Tom Brady is a great, great quarterback? Jerry Rice was a great, great receiver. Do we need to put it in the form of a list? You know, that, that's always tough, Greg, because, you know, when we look at quarterbacks, the quarterbacks are judged by wins and, more importantly, you know, Super Bowls. And someone asked me that very question. You know, now that Tom Brady has won another Super Bowl, is he not arguably the best quarterback in NFL history? And I said, if you, if you follow the stats and you looked at Super Bowls, you can say he, he, he's, that, he's the guy that uh, is the best quarterback that ever played the game. But uh, do, do, you, do you truly feel that way? Uh, you know, it's a fascinating, look, we know he's won four Super Bowls. Well, let me ask you this, Nick, you know, obviously Peyton Manning, you know, there's a lot of people that, that now have sort of different feelings about Peyton Manning. I guess he's been eliminated in the first round in his first game nine or ten times. He certainly hasn't had the overall playoff success. But if you were looking at the quarterback position and, and trying to figure out, who has had maybe more influence on the development of sort of the modern quarterback, the, the present-day quarterback, um, you could almost make the argument that, that Peyton Manning is really the, the, the first of the problem-solver quarterbacks, that he sort of changed on a certain level the way the position is played to some degree. I, I never use the word revolutionize because I think that's always too strong a word. But he was really the first of the so-called problem-solver quarterbacks, and that's the way the position has now moved at the NFL level. So while Tom Brady has won four Super Bowls, and that's inarguable, and this is no knock on Tom Brady, uh, you know, I just try to think, you know, sort of academically and intellectually about how you truly evaluate quarterbacks. It's always easy just to say wins. Because then it's just a mathematical equation. Then there's no conversation. Then, then the question's not even worth discussing. It's just a mathematical equation. Well, if you just joined us, we're joined by the great Greg Cosell, breaking down the NFL draft and NFL quarterbacks. Greg, before I let you go, uh, some, the Dallas Cowboys have to make some uh, big decisions and free agencies. Yep. And the word is that they are considering franchising Des Bryant. Now, he's a very talented wide receiver, but he's very volatile and, you know, is always in question his off-the-field antics. Are they making the right decision franchising him? Because they get him at the highest dollar for one season, but who's to say that he signs back with them after that contract expires? Yeah, that's a, that's a multifaceted question. History shows that running backs, after they carry as much as DeMarco Murray did, that they usually don't perform at that level again. Uh, but the flip side of that is this was a team that went from being a 500 team to being a division winner and winning a playoff game based on the fact that they changed the structure of their offense to a run-first offense uh, behind a great offensive line. So, I mean, is the feeling that anybody could do what DeMarco Murray did for that team? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's a question that gets to the heart of the value of a running back. Can you put... Could 10 guys have done what DeMarco Murray did? And then you have to decide, can DeMarco Murray do that again after carrying so many times? Because that's their question. It's DeMarco Murray versus Des Bryant. That's 
that's the question that they have to decide. Who do they deem as more valuable to their their whole approach going forward? Well, well real quickly, last question, uh, about 20 seconds here. What guy in the draft so far do you think is going to be a still uh, coming up uh, in this year's uh, draft, potentially? Well, I'm fascinated by a wide receiver, to make this quick, from Central Florida named Rashard Perriman, who I believe his dad was Brent Perriman, the former wideout. Uh, and I'm really fascinated by this kid who not a lot of people at this point are talking about. Well, there it is, Greg Cosell. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Cosell. He is in Indianapolis right now at the NFL Combine. Follow him on Twitter. Get in track of what's taking place with the NFL Combine and what your team is going to do in this upcoming draft. As always, Greg, it is a pleasure having you on the program. You know your stuff. I wish I could sit in a room with you all day and talk nothing but football. Thank you for joining the program today. Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you. Mario, uh, it was great having Greg on, as, as always. But he was great talking about man. Great talking about the Dallas Cowboys, but here's, here, here's a song that made me think about the Dallas Cowboys. G- give that to me, please. All the girls are all so pretty. Rocking up and down Broadway on my own scuddly road. And the girls say, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Everybody says, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Mark, Nick, Mark. I'm not even sure what to think of that, man. I, you, you caught me off guard with that one. You know what? I, I did that uh, on purpose. You know, Denver Broncos, you know, you never think of it being like kind of a country type of feel to it. But also it played a part of the conversation about the Dallas Cowboys. And like Big and Rich said, and, and that's another fun fact for Thursday, you didn't know I listened to Big and Rich. Now you do. But save a horse, ride a cowboy. And knowing as though that Dez Bryant, great wide receiver and very volatile as we talked to the great Greg Cosell about it. But Tony Roman and the Dallas Cowboys would not have been where they were in the game against the Green Bay Packers if it were not for one person, DeMarco Murray. So as Big and Rich said, save a horse, ride a cowboy. You got to get DeMarco Murray back in the Cowboys uniform and run him, ride him all the way back to the playoffs and possibly a Super Bowl. So we, we don't know, but yeah, Mario, I, I wanted to change things up and I played that big and rich just for you. I I appreciate <laughs> that. I mean, I'm not a country fan. I never would have pegged you for, for a fan of country music, Nick, and learn something new about you all the time. See, see, that another reason why not to judge a book by its cover. I know that there's some fans and some friends of mine in Miami who are listening going, what? Nick and country music? Yes, Nick and country music. I listened to a little bit of uh, Garth Brooks and Shania Twain. And I guess maybe Shania is not country, more like pop country. And due to my kids, I I will say this on air, Mario, and uh, I don't feel ashamed about it, about saying it. Uh, My wife bought my kids a a Taylor Swift CD. No. You know what? I'm sorry. Nick. Listen, uh, listen. Oh, no. Wait a, minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not saying I'm putting up Taylor Swift posters and putting pins on my uh, I lapel. Know, man. I, I wouldn't put it by you. No, listen, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is I like her music. It's a, it's a little different. It's not country. It's, it's, it's more pop than anything. It's, it's, but feel good. it's feel good music. Yeah, it's, it's, it's feel good music. I mean, it, to me, listen, I'm not going to be the Kanye 
west of the music industry right now. I love all music, all genres. If you play it, it sounds great. I'm going to listen to it. But if it sucks, it sucks. But Taylor Swift <laughs> right now, my kids listen to that going to bed at night and waking up in the morning. So I'm not mad at her. She is a great, you know, artist and songwriter. You know, maybe, maybe you should listen to a couple of her songs a little more in depth. Maybe, you know, you, you will now Nick, kind of Nick, how, how in depth could I possibly get with Taylor Swift? I mean, I don't you're, know. Talking, you're talking about the most cookie-cutter lyrics that are <laughs> out there. You want to talk about getting in depth with Taylor Swift. Hey, look, man, look. Just, music. like watching her music videos, Nick. No, you know what? I haven't seen any music. The only music video that I, uh, I saw, because everyone was talking about it, I saw the Shake It, Shake it Off video. And I have to say, you know what? It, it took her outside of herself. And when she went to a record label and told them, listen, I want to do something entirely different than I've done it before, they lost their mind. But watching the video, you see a lot of her personality that comes out in the video. So for me, you know, I like that. I like people being able to explore different sides of themselves, showing a little creativity. So, you know, guess what? Like I said, I'm not going to Taylor Swift concerts or whatever. But I like the music. Sure it's a little not, different. Dick. What do you mean? I mean, look. Sure you're not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. If she called me and say, listen, Nick, I have some tickets for she you in the number? front row. No, she doesn't. But, you don't know I'm, that. But I'm on Twitter. You, you know, at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. So if she wanted to, if she wanted to give me some tickets. Taylor, can we, get, can we get my boy Nick some tickets <laughs> to your concert, please? He, he, he's your biggest fan. Wait, he wants wait. nothing more to sit in the first row. He knows every word to every one of your songs, and he's going to sing it out at the concert. Taylor Swift, give my, Nick, uh, give my man Nick some tickets. I don't know about being the biggest fan, but, you know, I'm biggest a fan. Biggest fan. I'm a you're fan of music. It, Nick. You're Nick. No, you're fan. a closet Taylor Swift fanatic. <laughs> No, I, I'm a fan of music. I, I love music. And how can you not like the Shake It Off video? She's making fun of herself and all these different genres. To me, that's what creativity is about. So if you want to knock me for liking that, well, go ahead, knock me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Shoo. You know? And, 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 and by the way, I, I do you like do that you, new... Nick. You do, yeah, you do I do you. like that new... Uh, uh, one of the... What is it? Uh, Nick Jonas song? You know, it kind of... It's in heavy Saints. rotation. Yeah, it's, it's a heavy rotation, so it's kind of started to wear you're on, not, man. You're not talking about the Jealous song, though, are you? Yeah, the song that you don't like. Oh, Nick, <laughs> we've never disagreed so much on one show. Usually, <laughs> I'm, usually I'm all aboard the Nick Ferguson train, but I'm jumping ship today, man. You can have Owen Daniels, <laughs> and you can have Nick Jonas, man. Well, I tell you, I tell you, tell you what, we, after the break, we're going to talk about something else, uh, movies. For that matter, it was Valentine's Day last week. We'll see what Mario had to do and then see if he took his girl to see Fifty Shades of uh, Grey like so many Americans did. You listen to Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective. Trust me, you don't want to miss this third second. This third second, excuse me. Come back right after the break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. It takes two to make things go right, not so much if you are a New York Knicks fan. And I don't think Snake Plissken himself can get the Knicks out of New York. And Mario, I mean, All-Star Weekend was last week. We'll talk about the slam dunk contest and get your, your take. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. But, but Mario, the Knicks, a loafal, 10 and 43. And Carmelo Anthony played in the All-Star game. All of course he did. <laughs> of course he, he did, Nick. He played in the All-Star game, and now he's going to miss a couple of weeks, which really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Well, he's he's, he's going to be out of miss the rest of the season, to be honest. Well, well, if he's smart, you know, there's no need to really come back for the remaining of the season. I mean, what do you, what do you have to win? What do you have to play for, really, at this particular point? But real talk. I, I just, I just love this, Nick. Sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm just, I'm loving seeing New York at the bottom of the NBA, the very bottom, the basement. I, I know. I mean, it's it, anyone who listens to the show knows that Mario doesn't have affinity for two people. Well, let's call it three: uh, Carmelo, his significant other, and Tony Romo. Her so, name so, is. Oh, Nick! I don't even hate on Tony Romo that much. That's you. No, what do you mean? Oh, oh, now it's all me. No, so it's not. You came up with the Tony Romo effect. I don't care about Tony Romo. Like, he's fun to talk about because he, you know, he chokes games away, but I don't hate the guy. Oh, oh, okay. See, there it is. I came up with the hashtag Tony Romo effect, but you say he's a choke artist. He is, but that doesn't mean I don't like him as a person. I don't like Carmelo Anthony as a person or uh, his, or his lava <laughs> or whatever she's called. So, so Carmelo Anthony plays an all-star, like I said, but now he has to have knee surgery. Mario, I mean, real talk. Now he has to have knee surgery. N- now he has to have knee surgery. Now, you want to he- talk about? You want to talk about toughness issues? Getting back to the first segment. My goodness, like, what? What a blatant slap in the face, Nick. That he's going to play in the all-star game, 
And then as soon as the all-star break is over, he decides to get surgery and just shut it down. This is it, it, just unbelievable, man. Like, I, I don't have words for it. I don't, I don't believe it. He's a joke. It, it, it is kind of uh, odd that, you know, you decide to play an all-star game and, and just kind of, you know, miss the remaining portion of the season. But like I said before, I get it. I understand how could you miss out on an All-Star weekend? It's in New York City, of course, of all things. But listen, what does he, what does he, has, what does he has to play for? They're 10 and 43. They're out of the race, period. Oh, you mean, you mean the team that he wanted to go to because it was a good market, right, Nick? The team because he wanted to compete for an NBA championship. That team, right? Okay, just yeah. making sure. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. yeah, he left Denver yeah. for greener pastures, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has. Oh, so, this speaking, is my favorite. Speaking of that, I mean, you know, there's a deadline is vastly approaching. NFL, not NFL, excuse me. NBA trade deadline is vastly approaching. And let's stay out west a, a little hours. bit. Let's talk talk about the the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets. I mean, why, what's why you got to do the- this to me, Nick? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm feeling good, you know. I'm I'm riding hey. the uh, the Carmelo Anthony hate train, and then you just got to derail me and bring me down, man. Look, hey, they, you know, they're, nothing they're is a, off limits. Nothing they, is off limits. Right? They're they're taking a step a step in the right direction. We knew it was going to be a fire sale here in Denver. Now I'm hearing reports that Ty Lawson is not going to be dealt. Neither will Wilson Chandler. Um, I, I don't really know how I feel about it, Nick, and I have such you know, constraining feelings about Ty Lawson because he's a North Carolina guy. I've been a North Carolina fan for as long as I can remember. And I was so excited when the Nuggets picked him up. And he's been good for the most part, you know, like a a, a good point guard. But he's supposed to be a team leader as the point guard. Now, he got a DUI a couple weeks ago. Now he missed his... Uh, he missed the mandatory practice with an unexcused absence because he didn't get back from Vegas in time. But he has time to post on his Facebook page pictures and saying, all right, let the hate pile up. Like, what? I, I'm not sure what's going on in this guy's head, Nick. He doesn't seem like he's all there. And it's hard for me to say this because I like Ty Lawson a lot. He's one of my favorite players. He helped bring a national title to North Carolina. But to see him act in this way is so childish. I'm surprised that they're not dealing him. But to me, maybe it's because another team doesn't want him. They know all these issues that's going on with him. They don't really want to touch him right now. So that's the biggest issue. I mean, you can say anything you want about the Denver Nuggets and who they have, who they don't have. It's got to start and end with Ty Lawson. He needs to grow up and become a leader. I guess Especially Brian now Shaw, that Aflalo is gone. Yeah, I think Brian Shaw and the organization is realizing, listen, we can have a fire sale and get rid of all of our players but really, does that solve the issue? The issue could be not just the players, but Brian Shaw himself. I mean, the, the team chemistry, can he really get the players to buy into what he's trying to do? So, I mean, you can sell every player. And we see it, you know, time and time again in every sport, every major sport that is, is things are not going well. You have a knee-jerk reaction. Let's scrap everyone and have a clean slate. And to me, when you do that, you're setting yourself three to four years back of everyone else in your division. And to me, you don't do that. Try to fix what you have currently. And trading a, a players away are, is not always the, the best answer. But uh, sticking with college basketball, going college basketball real quick, the Kentucky Wildcats are still 
perfect, Mario. 26 oh, and of course they are. And first in the division. Now, they have several games remaining, and they play Auburn at 7 o'clock. And when you look at the back end of the schedule, it's Auburn, uh, they're at Mississippi, they're at Georgia, they have Florida, and they have Arkansas. To be totally honest, all these games in the back portion of the schedule are all winnable games. The only question that I have is, you know, I, I think, and I said this about the Broncos early on uh, in last year's season, you, you at least want to have one of those games, not just where you're challenged, and maybe if you're John Calipari, maybe you want to lose one of those games. Not saying lose intentionally, but you need something to fire you up as you go into March Madness. I, I think it would be great for college basketball and for the program if they go into the tournament undefeated and then run the table in a tournament. That would be sensational for me. And I'm not a Kentucky Wildcat fan. I'm not. But, I, but to me, I'll get your take on it. Uh, I mean, looking at their schedule, I, I know they haven't lost the game, Nick, but they've had the games that you're talking about. You know, they took Ole Miss to overtime and beat him by three. Texas A&M, it took him two overtimes to beat him. So, you know, I, I know they have all W's up there, but they, they've had close games. They've had to overcome, I guess, a little bit of animosity. Looking at the last part of their schedule, um, I don't see them having too much of an issue with Arkansas, who is the only ranked team at number 18 that they're going to face. But they're playing Florida the last game of the season. And, you know, at Florida, it was only 68-61 the first time these teams played. The fact that it's at Kentucky, I mean, obviously, I I doubt that they're going to lose at home. But this is going to be a tougher game than people realize. Florida is a very good team. And, you know, we're we're talking about this conference, the SEC. And there's, there's history there. So that was, if I'm a Kentucky fan, that's the game that worries me the most. But looking at this team, Nick, let me read you their stats. They're ranked 49th in the country in points per game, 23rd in rebounds per game, 36th in assists per game, and 65th in field goal percentage. So it's not like they're overly excelling really at anything except points allowed when they're second. They're only allowing teams 51.7 points per game. And so this is the difference of the Kentucky teams that we've seen in the past before. It's a whole bunch of hot shot players. I mean, obviously, these kids are going to get drafted early on. But a lot of it was all offensive production. This is a defensive-minded team, and it's something that we haven't seen out of Kentucky in a long time. Now, and just to put in perspective really quick, you go back to November 18th when they played number 5 at the time, KU, Nick, at a neutral location, 72-40. to they beat the Kansas Jayhawks. I think that, that that is sensational, even though they've been in some tight games in their conference. But the fact is, though, this team is taking on a new look and playing defense, that's going to go well for them as they get into tournament play. But last night, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the game. Of course. North, North Carolina. And, and do. You, know, so you say it broke, it broke your heart, but I have several friend, fans uh, and friends who uh, are not from Duke who are not from that North Carolina area, but they love Duke. It's kind of one of those things. They're always on television like the Dallas Cowboys in the late 70s and 60s, and because you saw so much of the team, you fell in love with them. But exciting game uh, last night, and, and give, me your, give me your take on it, because anytime you get North Carolina and Duke to face off against one, one another, two of the story franchises in, in collegiate basketball, to me, it's great. I, I love to see that, once again, not a North Carolina fan, not a Duke fan, but I love when two teams like this with so much tradition and the rivalry get together. It's great for basketball. 
Oh, it's, it's it's one of my favorite times of the year, Nick, anytime that these two teams play because you know it's going to be good. Duke has a lot more talent than North Carolina does this year. and But there have been years in the past where North Carolina has a lot more talent than Duke. It never really matters when these two teams play. I mean, it was up and down all game. At the beginning of the first half, Duke was looking like they were going to run away with it. North Carolina closed the gap, and then early on in the second half, North Carolina took the lead, and I want to say they were up by something like nine with about two and a half or three minutes to go. But no lead is safe at Coach K Court, as they have called it now, or the Cameron Indoor. So, I mean, they they let Duke get back into it, but they could not make their, their free throws. And they, they were 12 of 20 when they needed to make their free throws down the stretch, and they couldn't. Duke was no better, though. They shot 16 of 31, but then where the difference, where the Duke Blue Devils kept getting back into the game was their three-point shots. Nick, they made 10 of 16 three-pointers. That means that their three-point percentage was 62.5. Their free-throw percentage was 51.6. Nick, they shot the three better than they shot their free-throws. But if North Carolina makes their free throws down the stretch, they win that game. So it'll be interesting to see when these two teams play again at the end of the season. Um, North Carolina doesn't look like they're going to be much of a threat in the tournament. They just don't have a complete team. Uh, But I think Duke could make some serious noise. They have the outside shooters. They have Jaleel Okafor, who could go number one overall, could win player of the year, overcame an injury last night, got back out onto the court. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where these two teams end up. But that, that seems to be just kind of uh, the, the standard, you know, playing in Duke for years, watching the school. I mean, it's, it's live and die by the three. If the three is falling, everything in the inside opens up for Exactly. But, but, you know, it's a sensational game. I can't say more about it. Sensational game. I can't wait to that rematch to see if North Carolina could pull out the stunner one, once again. Now, you know, I love movies, and today is Thursday, so that means a lot of movies are going to open uh, this Friday. So Kevin Costner, who seems to own the box office when it comes to sporting movies, has another sporting movie out. Please of course go and he does. See. Yes, it's called uh, U.S. McFarlane. I'll definitely go see that. Another movie that I know I definitely have to go see. I saw the first one. It was hilarious. Hot Tub Time Machine 2. I mean, Craig Ferguson, I, I mean, look, the cast is great. Uh, the idea is great. It's, it's always funny. There's a lot of kind of like dog humor in it. Of course, this is not a movie for the kids, but if you're an adult, definitely a movie that you should check out. The Kingsman. I saw this movie last Friday. Exceptional movie. Samuel Jackson's one of the best actors in my top five. Did a heck of a job. He, he plays a character. Wait, do, that no does, one he have, does he have a before. lisp in that movie, Nick? I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the previews. He has a yeah. lisp, right? He has a list, and it is comical. It is hilarious. Man, but but he is one of the coolest voices in cinematic history, and you're going to give him a lisp? Why? That's, that's the thing that made it hilarious. It's just like the first time he comes on scene, and then he comes in with that list, you're like, what? Everyone in the theater was dying laughing. But here's a movie I definitely have to ask you about before we get out of here. Fifty Shades of Grey came out in honor of Valentine's Day when I went to the theaters. It was in like five theaters simultaneously. I'm like, what? It it did 81.7 million dollars. Mario, did you take plate take uh, your girl to see Fifty Shades of Grey? 
no, I did. I did not want my money contributing uh, to these movie sales. And honestly, my fiance had read the book, and she didn't really like it. She's pretty conservative, you know. She doesn't like all of that kind of nonsense, and she didn't really get the premise because she disagrees with it. But she had a friend that wanted to go see it, so uh, she and her girlfriend went. So I was off the hook, and she even told me she's like, "Yeah, I don't want to see this movie," but I told my friend so and so that I would go, and I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna stay home and watch." sports <laughs> so that's what i did i mean and they went uh, i think they went the day after valentine's day well i tell you what i know some people said that they wish they didn't pay their money that's their take on it others have told me hey listen they would have got more excitement out of watching paint dry but that's their take that's their perspective i know I like you it. saw it nick don't no. don't play no i i did not see it i told you i saw a kingsman so so no i did not see that <laughs> So I want to thank my guest, Greg Cosell, from joining the program. The guys, the three amigos here in the pavilion in California, the Church of Scientology, for allowing me to film my secondary perspective here. My guys in Phoenix, Arizona, for keeping everything running so smooth like a fine wine. Drink responsibly. And once again, NFL Combine. Check your local listeners. Check out your team and see what they're going to do in this year's draft. Is it going to be Mariota? Will it be James Wilson? We don't know, but we shall find out soon. I'm Nick Ferguson at Nick Ferguson underscore 25, and he is Mario. Hi, Mario. This is Secondary Perspective. Until next week. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 